This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. your crimes before man and God. His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. <laughs> Satan also has one son. First to have lain eyes upon the new Messiah. Now, an enemy from his past. Who appointed you executioner? And a girl from the present. Do you know what he's capable of? Next time he's gonna kill me. I'll not let him harm you. Are the only hope for the future. <laughs> this is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. Yeah, buddy, now that is a trailer. Welcome back, everybody, to the <laughs> latest and greatest and unfortunately last episode of our Halloween coverage this year for our Halloween hootenanny of horror involving the letter W. And what an ending it shall be as we talk about the 1989 classic Warlock. <laughs> released June 1st, 1989 in Australia. Now, this film did uh, not come out in the United States until January 11th, 1991. But it did whoa. come out. It was made in the 80s. It was released technically in the 80s. It just sat on a shelf for a bit. So that's why we're talking about it. So it's legal. It's totally legal. But more <laughs> on that when we get to the trivia. As always, everybody, it's me, your host, guiding you through these dark, satanic corridors of ancient Boston and New England, Trey Harris, and the lock to my war, as always, producer extraordinaire, chasing me through time, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. That's right. So yeah, Warlock. Now, this movie, it's just badass. This movie is so, this movie is so <laughs> much fun. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Let's get the who, what, when, where out of the way. As I said, June 1st, 1989, Australia. IMDb 6.2, a little too low in my opinion, but justified. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 53% critics, 47% audience. So pretty close there between critics and audience. Budget, IMDb says it's 7 million. Wiki says 15. Uh, mm. I'm going to side with IMDb on this simply because there's a sequel. And if it was 15, and as you're about to see these other totals, I don't think they would have done a sequel ever. Uh, but anyway, it opened when it finally did open in the United States. IMDb says that uh, opening weekend was 780,000 in the U.S., which didn't even crack the top 10 
uh, at this time in 1991, which we usually don't care about because this is 80s revisited. However, Home Alone was number one at the box office for the ninth week in a row. So that kind of gives you a kind of cultural date when Warlock hit American theaters, at least. Uh, Worldwide and domestically, it would go on to gross nine million. So that's why I believe the budget must have been seven and not 15, because the budget was 15 and it made nine. It's there wouldn't have been a sequel, much less two sequels. So yep. let's just let's just let's just assume that that's the case. And if you're wondering, the movie is free to watch on Tubi and Freevee, whatever the hell Freevee is. Uh, but it was directed <laughs> by Steve Miner, a veteran of the podcast. He's done. Uh, he did Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Three. He also, uh, in addition to doing the Hockey Mask Killer, he did the William Shatner Mask Killer because he directed Halloween H Two O. Uh, speaking of another film that's held back from a few things from being great, much like this one, I would say. Uh, an H2O, it's a guy playing Michael Myers. He looks like a 20-year-old. He's supposed to be 40 years old. But he looks like uh, you know, a teenager, and the mask looks like shit. Uh, however, the ending of H2O, one of the greatest horror movie endings of all time, in my opinion. Great bookend to the original Halloween, the 1978 Halloween, because you got to clarify that when you talk about that series, because it's so convoluted with these damn timelines. Uh, but also, Steve Miner also directed the original House. And unfortunately, he was the director on a film called Soul Man. Uh, if you don't know what that movie is, it's basically uh, Blackface. Uh. <laughs> uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, it's the guy from The Outsiders. Uh, oh, uh, three name dude. Shit, can't think of his name, but uh, he plays Lee guy- Harvey Oswald. <laughs> 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 John, no, I think it was John Wayne Gacy in that one. Uh, no, but, uh, C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, I knew it was three three words, <laughs> basically. But C. Thomas Howell, uh, I've never seen the movie, but uh, he basically becomes black, and they don't get a black actor. Well, so, yeah. 1986. Not going to cover it. Not going to give it the time of day. <laughs> that's just too, that's too much. Uh, woo, woo, woke alert. Uh, anyway, uh, it was written by David Toohey. Now, I, I'm a big fan of David Toohey. <laughs> David Toohey is responsible for writing and directing the Riddick franchise, which I'm a huge fan of. It's the, it's the best franchise that Vin Diesel is in. It's not Fast and the Furious. It's not Triple X. It's Riddick, even though the last one was mediocre, as Emote and Joe would say in Mad Max Fury Road. But uh, Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick, fucking badass. Uh, I love the Riddick character, but Toei's the one behind all that, writing and directing. He also wrote G.I. Jane and wrote and directed uh, one of the better 90s science fiction movies uh, with The Arrival with Charlie Sheen, before Charlie Sheen went totally crazy. He also wrote Critters 2, which is, I think, the best of the series. And he wrote The Fugitive, the yes, that one with Harrison Ford, the movie version of the TV show. Uh, cinematography, and this was done by David Egby. He did the original Mad Max. He also did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, the Stephen King television show, the Tommyknockers, and Dragonheart. So based on those, you should know that he his movies look like television movies for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, uh, I mean, the original Mad Max, it was done on a budget. You know, it's gritty. But uh, all of these movies, if you, want, if you really think about it, they have a very little too polished look to them. A very mm-hmm. movie so look. Bright. Yeah, if, yeah, if you get what I'm saying. There's no, it's just like, yep, we can see everything in the frame. 
We can see everything and that's it. <laughs> you know, there's this dude, he is uh David Egby is no Dean Cundy, my friend. So uh there you go. But however, the score is done by uh audio royalty, or however you want to put it, uh the late great Jerry Goldsmith uh won the omen uh won the Oscar <laughs> for the omen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Santos Dominos. Uh, most notably, most of you might know that, recognize that little tidbit from South Park with, uh, mm-hmm. was it the cousin mm-hmm. or the brother or whatever that came in? It was Santos. Yeah, it was like season one. Oh, that, that was a season one episode? Wow. Yeah, Damien was like episode four or something like that. Yeah, like, I, I can't tell you anything. I, all I can tell you is like the zombie episode with Pink Eye was season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, because there's what, 25, 26 seasons of the yep. show. It's all a blur. I could, I could, I could honestly like South Park is a show I, I could re, I could restart and I wouldn't remember half of them until I watched them. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, there's, it's just so much content. But anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, he won the Oscar for The Omen. Uh, he also did the uh, composing for Star Trek, the Star Trek movies, Mulan, Poltergeist, and Patton. So, but uh, he's a very well known, very respected composer. Uh, you know, he's up there with John, I would say he's, Equal to John Williams because John Williams has so many, but I mean he's he's way up there. Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith's a very very big name, was a big name in the uh, field of composing in the music department in films. If you look at his credits, he's got a ton of them. Uh, but then now the main men of Warlock, the opposing forces, the yin and the yang, the war and the lock, the one, the only Julian Sands as the Warlock. Uh, of course, he reprises the role in Warlock Two, the Armageddon. But I always remember him, honestly, from this and arachnophobia. He's a scientist in the beginning who's like, oh, yes, we're going to find these rare spiders. And then he comes to help Jeff Daniels. And unfortunately, spoilers for arachnophobia, he gets taken out by the incredibly dangerous hybrid spiders of that film. But he's also in The Killing Fields, Naked Lunch, Cronenberg film. And he starred with our main man, Nicolas Cage, in Leaving Las Vegas. But uh, he has a he has like 140 something odd credits, I believe, on IMD. 140, 120, somewhere around there. But uh, I think he's a criminally underrated actor. I mean, he's still working. He's still he's still uh, out there. You know, why wasn't he why wasn't he a character in the Harry Potter franchise? Probably because Jason Isaacs was a bigger name by the time it started. To be honest, but uh, Julian mm-hmm. Sands, great actor, great look. Uh, whenever he pops up in anything, or it's always like good. I mean, he's, he's quality actor, good character actor. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. This entire cast, for the most part, is character actors. And it, it's so good because you got people in practically every role in this movie nailing their parts. So it, it just, you know, you don't need a, a Tom Cruise or a big name in this movie to really enhance the quality of it because you got very talented actors in this movie. Again, more so on the character actor side, but nevertheless... Amazing actors. I can't stress that enough for this film. Uh, the, uh, now, hold on. Now, let me stre- The performances are very scene-chewing, but let's be honest. That's what this movie needs, especially when you see the shit. If you haven't seen this, mm-hmm. you are in for a ride with what happens. It's just like the most off-the-wall crazy shit happens in this movie. Uh, I won't spoil too much of it because it's best to be seen and not told about. But the, uh, the yin to the yang of the warlock is the character of Redfern. Played fantastically by, I don't know if he's a sir, but I'm going to call him sir, Sir Richard Grant. Uh, he was also in Hudson Hawk. He was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, one of the f- movies I unapologetically watched a little t- a few times too many in Spice World. 
And most notably recently, where he kind of had a big buzz, a big boom. Uh, I'm not sure. If, did you watch the Loki television uh, MCU show, Jesse, at all? I did. Okay, he's old Loki in the uh, multiverse oh, okay. or the, the time thing. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, RIP old Loki, one of the best parts of the series <laughs> where he goes out like a boss. But yeah, that was Redfern. That was Richard That's Grant. Right. Great fan. Again, I can't say it enough, guys and gals. These actors are great for the, like, Julian Sands and Richard Grant. Great. They just work together so well. They're so, as uh, as suave and charming as evil as Julian Sands is, Richard Grant is that, like, almost the Dr. Loomis or the Van Helsing type, you know, manic hero trying to, you know, catch the charming and suave villain. Like, it, it's, that dynamic works, and it works so well because of Sands and Grant's performances in this film. The lovely Lori Singer as Cassandra with a K. Uh, of course, veteran of the podcast. She was in Footloose. She was in the Fame TV series. And I did not know this about her until research, you know, doing the notes for the podcast. She is related to another actor with the last name Singer. That's right, everybody. She is the Beastmaster himself, Mark Singer's sister. I had okay. no clue at all. Even <laughs> seeing the last name. Didn't even think about it. Till reading the uh, IMDb stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, and she actually got into acting because Mark had success in it. So, like, oh, I'll, I'll go act, too. And, you know, she's fine. She put, you know, uh, she's not really a character actress, but she does fine for the role. At least on screen. There's some behind the scene drama we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, and she and uh, she doesn't do too much acting anymore. Uh, but she's a classically trained cellist and apparently very good at it. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that in that field. And their parents were very big into the symphony and music. So uh, I'm not sure if Mark plays an instrument, but, uh, you know, he's a Beastmaster. He doesn't need to play a musical instrument. But if he does, <laughs> that's, just, that's just a bonus. You can talk to animals. You don't need to do too much else. But, yeah, I had no, I had no clue they were related. So that was a, a revelation that I had uh, found earlier today. Uh, Her cousin's very, Brian Singer. <laughs> are you, uh, seriously? Yep. Ew. Ew. Hopefully, like it's like you know fourth or fifth cousin. Yuck. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, Mary Wonorov is the channeler in this film. She no, she's a, no, she's a character actress. Uh, Lori Singer, not a character actress. Uh, her talents lie in the music in, musical industry, it seems. But uh, Mary Wonorov, uh, she was in Death Race 2000, Rock and Roll High School, which makes her a veteran of the podcast. Also, Night of the Comet, Chopping Mall, and The Devil's Reject. So she's a serious. Uh, you know, working actress who's, you know, practically a scream queen with uh, half of those that I mentioned. Uh, you know, so, uh, but turns up, you know, she's great little perform, you know, small performance in this film as the, uh, the medium, the channeler, as she's credited as. But it's a, it's a big part of the movie and her death. Uh, I think I actually, I think it's in my notes. Sorry for the spoiler too, but it's pretty obvious when the warlock goes into a room and you're not a main character that something bad's <laughs> going to happen to you. And rounding out the cast as magistrate number one, have to mention the always great, another fantastic character actor. Again, I'm telling you, that's the way to do it, Jesse. Whenever we ever need to make a movie, we don't need a big name. We just got to get character actors because they're, you know, mm -hmm. they're probably a little bit above scale and they're going to kill it. But we got Ian Abercrombie as magistrate number one. You know who he is because he is spinach chin from Army of Darkness. Strange one. <laughs> You know, throws Ash the Chainsaw. That's who he is. Also, if you're a fan of Seinfeld, you would also recognize him uh, pretty uh, right off the bat when you see his face. 
He was also in Ice Pirates. He had a, he was uh, I think he had a one episode stint on Twin Peaks. Uh, he was in the Adams Family Values. And if you look at his IMDb, 100 plus, 140, 160 something credits, somewhere around there. And it's a lot of just like one episodes of TV shows, but you could practically name a show and he was on an episode of it. Anything that ran longer than a season for the most part, because <laughs> a lot of his stuff is like one episode of this, one episode of this, one episode of this, tons and tons of television. You've seen Sir Ian Abercrombie. Again, if he's not a sir, I'm, I'm knighting him. He's a, he's a knight on this podcast, but I do think he passed away uh, last year, maybe even this year. It hasn't been too long, I don't think. But yeah, always got to mention old spinach chin from Army of Darkness. Uh, so yeah. Warlock. Now, I've seen this movie a couple times. Uh, not, I haven't, honestly, I haven't seen it enough because every time I watch it, I kind of like, oh God, I forgot how badass this movie is. And by badass, I'm meaning in that same kind of way that, uh, you know, uh, Waxwork last week is, I say, is badass. How uh, Army of Darkness is badass, which, I mean, it is, Army of Darkness is legitimately badass, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it does it doesn't have the biggest budget, but despite that, it's fucking awesome. And Warlock <laughs> is awesome. However, the effects are absolutely terrible. Now, not the practical effects, any kind of CG or flying effects. They do a good job of like, like uh, there's a scene. There's a scene where basically Julian Sands is a human kite, and Redfern's or uh, Richard uh, Grant's like hanging on to him. And there's a shot of like over. Julian Sands shoulders. So like it's real, it's in camera, but obviously Julian Sands is standing on a platform or a vehicle that's driving away. Like, and he's acting like he's flying. Cause you just see his hands and shoulder and you see, just see Richard Grant running behind him, you know, well done, but you can, you know, you know, with the mat, you know, the, tr- you know, we know the trick, but all the, uh, all the special effects are that kind of, uh, I like to call it animated look, you know, like uh, in return of the Jedi, when they use force lightning, how it's like, obviously like animated onto the film to look like lightning. It's not exactly a actual CG effect, so to speak. Uh, but nevertheless, like that gives it its charm. You know, it's, it's, it, it definitely keeps the movie dated to the late eighties where it's from, which is fine. I mean, just look at Richard Grant's haircut. You know, we got mullet versus, po- versus slick back ponytail, baby. The ultimate clash <laughs> of good versus evil is in this movie. Uh, seriously though, it's, it's so much fun. I don't want to give too much away because or say too much about the story aside from basically, you know, the world it's, it's kind of the Beastmaster two masters, of the universe kind of thing. It starts off in, uh, uh, early, you know, new England and the warlocks imprisoned, which I didn't know we had castles in new England, which is, no, I love the castles in new England. You know, they're, they're really beautiful <laughs> this time of year as well in the fall. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's mainly a tower. Uh, but, uh, I don't, think they we had towers in, in <laughs> the United States, like, you know, like a castle tower, at least at that time. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. A historian, let me know uh, if we actually had that on American soil this time, but uh, you know, and then through a spell, Satan cast the warlock into our time, but Redfern follows him through the portal. Just like, you know, like I said, master universe, Beastmaster two that. And, I, and normally I, I, uh, I, 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 like I said on the episode with uh, star Trek five, I hate this trope. Of like you have a fantasy, you have fantasy characters, and you bring them to our time. It it's really a delicate balancing act for me personally. Masters of the Universe they did it because of the budget, you know, which sucks. Which nobody wanted that for Masters of the Universe. Absolutely, that that's one of the biggest reasons that I think that movie flopped was they weren't in Eternia. They they're in Eternia for five minutes, and then the best parts of the movie is when they come back to Eternia at the end and they're fighting in the in the throne room. 
because that's badass. But, uh, you know, so, but in this movie, it's that same trope, but it works so well because it really, they strictly maintain that uh, throughout the entire movie, the whole fish out of water thing, kind of the stranger in a strange land idea to where like the whole time they're like, what is this? This chariot is going fast. And they maintain that old English talking. <laughs> you know, they're constantly like baffled by modern technology, like comparing it to old stuff. So, which is good writing, but it's also sold by Grant and Sands. There's again, I'm, I can't stress enough. Like they're so good in this. They play this crazy movie and these, these crazy characters so like seriously and give it their all. And that, and it's truly, it's truly amazing. It's truly memorable performances by both of them. To be perfectly honest, this movie's underrated. Absolutely. Much like Waxwork. Uh, I know this, this month uh, for Halloween, we started with Without Warning, which is, eh, you don't ever need to watch that again if you've seen it once. Uh, what was the second? Witchboard is, you know, occasionally. But Waxwork and Warlock, man, that's, it's a great double feature uh, if you want to have a drive-in kind of night, have a double feature. But yeah, again, I don't want to spoil too much about the movie because if you haven't seen Warlock, you're missing out. It's, it's just fun. Uh, if you took my advice last week and watched Waxwork and enjoyed it, you're going to enjoy Warlock if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, it's been a while, you need to revisit it. It's so much fun. I can't stress that enough. Like I did last week with Waxwork like 50 times. Uh, but it's just got so much charm and personality to it. And again, David Toohey is a very, I think he's a very good writer. If you look at it, the, uh, and a good director too. I think Chronicles of Riddick was one of the best science fiction movies of the early 2000s. Along with Pitch Black. I think Pitch Black might have been late '90s or though I don't know, can't remember. Anyway, but you know, well, he's a, he's a good writer. He's he's really talented uh, with his characters, and I think that's on show here. And again, combined with the performances, so it just it works. It gels a good uh, symbiosis, so to speak, uh, with all the parts here, uh, making Warlock very very memorable, very fun, very fun film. Uh, Jesse, have you ever been fortunate enough to place your eyes? Upon the majesty of Warlock. This is a movie I've definitely heard of. Um, I don't recall seeing it, though, watching some of these scenes. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those VHS that you see at the store. Exa- and- exactly. The color w- cover was so badass and uh, <laughs> w- uh, well-designed. Uh, from an artistic standpoint, he's sta- it's a white case, white VHS box. He's standing there, and his shadow is like a, a demon. It's badass. It's a great, yeah. it's a great cover. It sells the movie. Everything you need to know is, is right there, except the fact that it takes place in modern times. Uh, but again, it happens in the first five minutes. That's not a spoiler. So, <laughs> but honestly, that as in Masters of the Universe and Beastmaster 2, it's to the detriment of the movie. I think them coming to our time is what makes this movie work much better than if they were back in the olden days of early America. Because all the over-the-top zaniness, the quirkiness of the comedy wouldn't work if they were in their time. It works so well with the time jump. That's probably one of the few times you'll ever hear me say that about a movie. Because, again, that usually means <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. Like, it, it gets fish even more badass. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, fish out of water. Oh, yeah, like, fish out of uh, yeah. Such a cheap thing to grab. It really Just is, a, uh, yeah. In general, but this movie does it good. I'm telling you, this is a great example of how to do it right, in my opinion. But as I mentioned, this film came out in Australia. I want to say it came out in Australia first, uh, based on the the order of listing on Box Office Report. 
uh, June 1st, 1989, in Australia. So our good friend Ben Wyatt got to see it before we did. Uh, <laughs> were you born in 89, Ben? I think you might have been might have been a little baby then. I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, it was originally completed in late 1988. It was one of the last films completed by distributor, distributor excuse me, my dentures back in because I'm old, uh, New World Pictures <laughs> when they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, the trailer, which we listened to the whole thing because that trailer is badass. Anytime a trailer plays La, uh, O Fortuna, we're going to play the whole thing. So if you know what that piece of music is, a dun, 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 dun. it was in Excalibur, used in a lot of stuff. It's O Fortuna. It's one of the greatest pieces of classical music ever. It gets you pumped up. It's badass. Perfect trailer music. Love it. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, it was uh, the film's trailer was actually shown before early 1989 theatrical releases. But instead of going direct to video, it was picked up and released in the theater by Trimark Pictures in 91. And it's box office success, which is why I don't believe it. the budget was 15. There's a flying scene I was telling you about, Jesse. There it is right there. <laughs> but it works. It works. <laughs> Again, visual reference on audio podcast. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's box office success led to a sequel in which Trimark also released theatrically. So uh, if you, you know, it, that's crazy because you had the people saw the trailers, would have seen the trailers for this in front of stuff in 89. And so, you know, like a year later, two years later, like, oh, that's like, this looks, oh, I saw a trailer for this in front of Batman, you know, (laughs) because like two years prior. So uh, that's kind of crazy. But hey, we, to all of our benefit, it was released. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, Screenwriter David Toohey's original, uh, I shouldn't read what they had, what I copied here, excuse me, original concept, not conception, even though they kind of mean the same thing was that the warlock was a good-natured man who fled the 17th century to avoid religious persecution, only to find himself similarly persecuted in the 20th century. Wow. Very relevant to today's things, how people are being persecuted for things that we thought we evolved past today. Imagine that. But after working on the script for two months, he realized it didn't work and decided to make the character a villain. Uh, So... Yeah, I think, and again, that, again, that how the movie turned out—that's absolutely how it worked, how it how it needed to be for uh, the finished product. Although, you know, Julian Sands could have been a great hero too. He's always usually kind of that villain or secondary character in his stuff. Uh, but elements of the original script do kind of are still are still in the movie. Uh, for example, uh, throughout several scenes, uh, he shows some of you know basically minimal elements of kindness. In polite manners, in particular, he is actually quite friendly and casual to the unbaptized child before discovering that he was unbaptized. And he's pretty respectful of the crucifix and the sanctity of the home with the preacher. And he shows mercy toward the wife and the unborn children in exchange for information, Uh, which, you know, oh, yeah, he's kind of nice on that. And, you know, they don't go full hardcore, like killing kids kind of thing with it. But based on his earlier actions, you know, that he's basically going to kill the whole world. I think he wouldn't have mattered. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's like, the whole, like, you know, Vader didn't pull, push the button on the Death Star, but he was complicit to, you know, 9 billion people dying on Alderaan. Okay. So, and he also mm-hmm. killed younglings. So, you know, I mean, Darth Vader's basically John Landis in the Star Wars universe. I mean, he's killing kids out here. <laughs> but, you know, everybody's like, oh, Vader's cool. Well, he's a great villain. He's a great villain. But I mean, you know, let's not forget the fact that he massacred children. He's done some things. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, sorry doesn't bring the kids back, bro. And he let all, you know, he wasn't sorry about it. You know how many kids are on Alderaan? If it, let's just say the population was 9 billion, it's got to be at least a third or a fourth of it. So, you know, you killed at least a couple of billion kids. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Vader. 
asshole. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, because of, and, and now here's a, here's a reason I also love David Tui. Uh, in the, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Steve, this is Steve Miner's uh, fault. And I mean that in a good way. Uh, because it starts in the colonial U.S., Steve Miner insisted that the leads were still portrayed by British actors. Why? And I think we talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, they've been off the boat for like five years, 10 years at most. They're still, you know, they don't lose their accents. And that's what, that's what, that's what people don't remember. That's what, that's what we talked about on the podcast. We talked about how in the American Revolution and all the American Revolution movies, the Americans, you know, the, the colonists, they speak like we do. But all the British are, you know, King's English. No, everybody was speaking the Kings back then for a good long while before <laughs> accents developed, you know, before they lost the accent. So I really appreciate that. You know, that's something that works. Like that's, that's true. That's like, you know, that's, that's a good director decision, like for the film. And again, it adds to it, I mean, in my opinion. Uh, and originally, this is interesting, Julian Sands was initially considered for the Redfern role and Grant for the Warlock. But Steve Miner opted to cast each of them against their type by reversing the roles. And that, again, works perfectly. Sands is an awesome villain, and Grant is a great, manic, obsessive hero. Uh, <clears throat> uh, an addition, now, you know, we always like to talk about what if. However, I would not change the actors in this film at all, period. However, Ian McKellen, Peter Green, John Cleese, Sam Elliott... Jeremy Kemp, Lance Henriksen, William Hurt, James Maxwell, and the late James Kahn, Will Nafoe, Richard White, Brian Cox, Rupert Everett, Stephen Fry, and Patrick Stewart. Basically, every British actor you could think of that was working in the 80s was considered for the role of Warlock before Julian Sands. But I can tell you right now, with, out of all those actors, all, great actors, fantastic actors, they got the right one for this movie. Could, could any of the, a lot of those other actors do it? Absolutely. But Sands just has something about him for this character that is so smarmy and devious yet charming. It's just great. It's just great. So <laughs> just I'm just watching the scenes from the movie that you <laughs> yeah. got playing, and it just makes me laugh. And it's, again, in a, in a good way. This movie is great. I'm telling you, it's great. Uh, when Redfern exits Cassandra's house and gets tasered by the... Uh, cop, there's no noise from the probes and he rapidly recovers from the jolt and fall. Now, usually in movies, they always add the when somebody gets tasered. That's not true. In a real taser, that doesn't happen. And they're uh, usually uh, that only happens with a, that's a, when somebody gets hit with a taser and it's a solid connection, what happens in the movie is that kind of exactly what happens in real life. You get stunned briefly, but you kind of get back up pretty much. That's why like a lot, you can see there's plenty of videos where people get tasered and like you know, unless they're holding the button down, they're getting back up. So it's actually, you know, people, oh, if you got tasered, he'd be knocked out. Nah, not really. It's actually a, a very realistic portrayal of a taser. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, Lori Singer uh, had some issues. There were some backs, you know, behind the camera kind of stuff. Uh, she was reportedly difficult to work with and caused headaches for the makeup man, Carl Fulton, on this film. Because they had an elaborate series of makeup uh, to progressively age her character. Because... Uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler alert. Uh, the warlock kind of puts a curse on her to where she ages 20 years every day, which is a pretty, it's, it's a big spoiler because it's a revelation. She's like, oh, you're 20 years older. And he, she's like, I know he did a curse on me, whatever. And he's like, oh, no, my dear, it's 20 years every day. So like now, then now you have the time, now you have the ticking clock. Like they got to do something before she's, you know, dies within a couple of days because she's aging rapidly. 
Mm-hmm. But she said, you know, like, you know what? I don't want to wear your makeup pretty much. <laughs> so on the, uh, it was all tested and approved. However, on the day of her transformation to a 40-year-old, she refused to wear any prosthetics, forcing the makeup men to resort to stifling shadowing and having the actress don a gray wig. And then for her 60-year-old incarnation, she agreed to wear the prosthetics on her cheeks and chin, but refused to let them put appliances on her nose or eyes. Uh, I mentioned earlier, the practical effects look great in this film. Her makeup looking old does not. When she's like 60, it looks terrible. <laughs> uh, and the wig when she's 40 is, it's a bad hat, Harry, so to speak. Which, uh, but again, it, uh, uh, you know, it gets a pass because it's just, you know, this is not, you know, this is a movie that we got so lucky to see, <laughs> to be honest with you, because of the, the production history and New World Pictures going bankrupt and everything. Uh, you know, because like, for example, Batgirl, the recent Batgirl movie, Warner Brothers just said, nope, basically done, but we're not going to release it, which is stupid. Like, just, re- I mean, yeah. how is it cheaper not to release it when people, it's got Brendan Fraser in it. Like, he's like, like the second he wins the Oscar for the whale this coming year, which most likely going to happen. I'm predicting that happened, even though I haven't seen the movie. I'm just judging it by, <laughs> you know, I- how Hollywood tends to work. Usually right. he's going to be nominated for sure. And maybe he, maybe they won't let him win because of this quote unquote controversy that they didn't cast a 600 pound gay man to play a 600 pound gay man instead of Brendan Fraser, oh, you know? So one, it's one of the guys <sighs> from the movie bros that came out. Hey, no. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, woo, woo, kind of a woke alert here. You know, some of the woke people might not agree with this take, but Hey, you know, it's called, again, it's called acting. Uh, not saying that if you're going to have in, in the case of soul man, where you have somebody turning African-American to cast a white person. Nobody's saying that. <laughs> but, you know, there are some things that, you know, you've got you to be realistic with. I mean, to be honest, you know, I mean, no, I, I guess the people go after Eddie Redmayne. Well, I think they did because he, he played a trans man, a trans woman. No. Yeah. Wait, no. What is it? If, if you're a man and you're transitioning, you're a trans, you're a tra- he played a trans woman and he played a. Uh, Stephen Hawking. So he played, you know, a mentally, uh, well, it's not mentally. Uh, I mean, he had Hawking said that disease, whatever disease he had, that you know, put him in the wheelchair and everything. I don't, I'm, I'm not familiar with. I don't remember the name of it. You know, so he's played two characters that have nothing to do with him. He's a white English male that looks like Kermit the Frog and sings like him too. Uh, yeah, I hated him in Les Mis. <laughs> hated him. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't. That's a, that's a that's a for a different podcast. But uh, he's not a, he's not a bad actor. I'm not. I just hate he was. I just in Les Mis, he got on my nerves. So you got Hugh Jackman over here. Every Russell Crowe, I thought he did great in Les Mis. A lot of people don't agree with me on that. But Eddie Redmayne was just like, God, this dude like doesn't belong with these guys, man. Just tick me off. So anyway, we got <laughs> off a little soapbox. But anyway, uh, back to Warlock. <laughs> the scene yeah. in, the, in the trailer that uh, showed the Warlocks and the Satanic as the satanic messiah was cut after negative reactions from test screenings because in his late eighties, he still got some residual satanic panic crap, which you're having today. Thanks to Q Q and not the character from star Trek, the next generation. Uh, the Chandler's death was originally much more violent and actually involved Mary Warnoff being topless and being frozen after the devil's eyeballs emerged, not from, you know, just her, her eyes as in the film, but from her breasts, the warlock then stomped her to pieces to free them. Uh, yeah, they cut that out. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, maybe not, unfortunately, I don't know. And there was some controversy with this film because in the real world in 1995, 
A Canadian, a Sasquatchian teenager named Sandy Charles and an unnamed eight-year-old accomplice murdered a seven-year-old boy. They cut strips of the kid's flesh off his body, boiled and drank it in hopes that, as in the movie Warlock, it would give them the ability to fly. Charles was found not guilty by reason of insanity, but was sentenced to stay at the High Security Regional Psychiatric Center in Saskatoon, where he has primarily resided since shortly after the murder occurred. So a very tragic thing, which I don't know how you could take anything in this movie seriously. Right. Where you would, you would, you would go to, you know, now the exorcist or something like, yeah, being like, yeah, I could see like something like stemming from that. But from this movie, you chose this movie to be the one debate, you know, to, that this movie is the one that convinced you to, to, to like boil children's flesh and eat it and I mean, drink it so you could fly. This is the movie that you're going to, you know, <laughs> reference. No, no. Which I mean, horrific, hor- absolutely horrific and incredibly unfortunate, but I mean, come on, Warlock. This is the movie. I mean, I mean, I can't, I, I, a TV I can't movie. see it. Even as a kid, even as a, you know, I mean, I don't know. I didn't like, want to shoot myself to a, a different sun, a different color sun in the galaxy so I could have superpowers. Mm. That's a little far-fetched, but, uh, and, I mean, and, and like, you know what, I, I thought that I found this pretty shocking, not just again, jokingly saying, Oh, you, you know, like we, I just said twice, you know, you choose Warlock to be the movie that you do. But, um, you know, with, uh, the whole Slender Man thing, there were the Slender Man murders where these two girls, I think it was two girls were convinced that Slender Man was real and then killed a classmate. To appease right. him or some some like I mean it's just gee like you know people have always been stupid we just get reminded of it you know we 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 tend to forget it until something super fucking stupid happens that's just so beyond comprehension that people would believe it oh wait you it's happening right now oh yeah that, of, that girl lived though right oh she did she was, oh I don't know did she she was stabbed I'm, nineteen oh. times but she lived oh thank God okay. There was a documentary on it. I'd seen it in forever. I just remember the girls were like yeah. in jail and or like they were about to get out or something or I can't remember. It's something. Well, at least that you know, at least she survived. Thankfully. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Stop talking about <laughs> children getting hurt. I don't like it. Uh, there were two sequels to do with the film. Julian Sands did thankfully return for part two, Warlock the Armageddon. However, neither sequel. He didn't return for part three, and neither sequel. It really has nothing to do with the original because. Uh, at the end of the original, uh, Warlock's pretty fucking dead. <laughs> Real fucking dead. Uh, Score-wise, I'd give it a 7. I would give it more if the effects were just better, but the effects are so dated. Uh, and I mean that, in a, you know, I'm forgiving of special effects, but these are bad. Bad, bad. They were, they were mediocre at the time, and by today's standards, they're terrible. Uh, especially when you watch them in 1080p. Now, I don't know if there's a restored version or anything. And maybe like maybe kind of cleans it up or anything. Not sure if there's like a Scream Factory or Arrow release or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at, in terms of fun, you know, I'll do the Game Pro thing. Fun Factor is a 5.0 or on our scale a 10. But the movie for me, and again, it, it, it the the act the actors the care the the script, and it's just it, just like Waxwork. This is just fun. Uh, Waxwork, I think I rated it a little bit higher than this simply because I'd never seen it before and was completely blown away by it. Uh, on a first watch, I've seen Warlock. Like I said, this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen it start to finish. And uh, still great. Still love the performances. So much fun. Like I've said 20 times on the podcast already. Uh, but highly, highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It is fantastic. 
Uh, and again, it released June 1st, 1989. And in the real world, on June 3rd, June 3rd, 1989, the world's first high-definition television test broadcast commenced in Japan in analog. Uh, and also, on the, same, uh, on the same day as the world's first high-definition television test, Imogen Poots, British actress, was born. Good actress with an unfortunate last name who should have changed it <laughs> when she became an actress. Yeah. Uh, but she was in um, the Fright Night remake, which uh, one of the better horror remakes out there. Rest in peace, Anton Yelchin. Colin Farrell's a great fucking Jerry Dandridge in that film. If you haven't seen it, highest possible recommendation. David Tennant. Speaking of great actors, David Tennant uh, is uh, the Peter Vincent character in the remake. If you haven't seen it, I'm telling you, you're missing out. It's a great remake. The CG effects aren't the best, especially with the practical effects being so great in the original. But uh, and she was also in another film that's a real. It's a one. It's a kind of a one-time watch film uh, with uh, an actor who I normally just despised, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, but called Vivarium. So uh, check that movie out. It's a one-time watch, but it's a mindfuck kind of movie. Uh, really good. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, but Imogen Poots, unfortunate last name, but a good actress in my opinion. And then uh, the day after she was born on June 4th, 1989, Dick Brown, <laughs> uh, American cartoonist, passed away. Now, who is Dick Brown, Trey? You might be wondering, why would I mention him? Well, if you were a kid in the 80s and when the Sunday comics came, because Sunday comics were in color, at least where I lived, so I'd always get the comics page. I read them every Sunday as a kid when we get the paper. And one of my favorites, in addition to The Far Side and Calvin and Hobbes and you know all the classics, was Hagar the Horrible. And Dick Brown is the creator of Hagar the Horrible. Hmm. So if you were a kid and grew up reading Sunday, I think it might even have the daily strips too for Hagar. I'm not sure. But uh, he was a Viking, you know, with the big red beard and the traditional Viking helmet with the two horns. Uh, so yeah, he passed away right after this movie released overseas. So I doubt he got to see Warlock, unfortunately. Uh, back to the future this week. Jesse, don't forget your notes on our Discord because I saw them earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll let you go first on that. All but right. Well, let me pull in advance. My note there. <laughs> yeah, because we have a thing called show planning. Yeah, it's kind of empty. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I actually caught up on some movies while I was doing some work this time. Uh, I caught um, The Lord of the Rings, uh, finally finished it. The show uh, mm -hmm. called Rings of uh, Power. Rings of Power. Yeah. Um, no spoilers. I'm, I'm, no I'm spoilers. Three episodes. I will say my preferences, though, uh, mm -hmm. as I'm. Starting episode five of House of the Dragon and going just off of IMDb scores, people seem to really like House of the Dragon and not so much Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. I'm opposite. I really? think Rings of Powers is way better. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, wow. um, I guess I'm more into that world than I am with the uh, Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. You know, Game of Thrones is just a lot of conversations, it's a lot mm -hmm. of families. Screwing each other, <laughs> literally, and, and, and themselves. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's just a lot of that. And I find myself while I'm sitting there watching. You know, I mean, I am doing other things while I'm doing it. So mm. um, the whole time, every time I just, I'm mostly hearing it and a little bit of watching it. But I'm just like, oh, why are they still talking about this? Or why? <laughs> why? <laughs> It's just a lot of questioning why the characters are doing this thing. And yeah. it feels like 
to me, it feels like a lot of um, mid Game of Thrones, like not top, mm. not peak Game of Thrones, but just like all the mid stuff. You know, they're just fine. Um, mm. You know, not quite as bad as season eight, but also it's like before it really took off type of stuff. And yeah, yeah. so I'm still holding out hope that it'll it'll escalate. Whereas it's the exact with, opposite. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say with uh, Lord of the Rings, I know where it's going to go, just like, you know, in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. But in Lord of the Rings, you have a few characters that are going to be shown later. So it does take the stakes away because, mm-hmm. like, whenever yeah. someone's in peril, it's like, they're fine. They're going to they're gonna be fine. going to be just fine. Yeah. 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 That character's gone for a little while because they can't find that character. But uh, they're fine. <laughs> you know they show up later. Eventually uh, they're found. Yeah. So so you gotta really pay attention to, I guess, the other characters. And you know, they, they th- try to throw some twists and turns. It does seem like it's intended for a uh younger audience, but I'm fine with that. I just like mm-hmm. that world more where there, you know, there's a bit of magic involved and stuff like that. Whereas I don't know, Game of Thrones, I feel like it's we're we're indulging a lot of this man's writings <laughs> of what well, he's into. Like your political science course, and then political the science along like with all of your incest literature. Stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. like George R. R. Martin's really into incest, and we're just all patting him on the back for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, fine on television. Yeah, yeah, it's fine if I uh, you know get my kicks by telling everybody about it. Um. You know, I know a lot of people would disagree because I'm looking at the IMDb scores and it's just, yeah, they're much higher for Rings of uh, the other one. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. They changed the name. So now I'm confused like an old man. But <laughs> <laughs> so I look at Game of Thrones. We're old men. Game of Thrones show. Really? And all the young people are like, oh, you mean <laughs> or whatever the name is. That what ancient like House of the thing Dragon. you watch on yeah. screens. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't full immersive VR. Yeah, eight point six. House of the Dragon, eight point six. Rings of Power is six point nine. So, uh, so, but I, I'm opposite. I, I mean, I wouldn't give Rings of Power an eight point six. I'd probably give it like a seven and a half, and I'd give House of the Dragon thus far. It could change me i'm only once again four episodes in but i'm having trouble keep it going uh mm-hmm. but right now that's sitting at like a six and a half for me and it's really most i don't know maybe even just a six for me but you know it'll pick let's i mean it'll hopefully pick up i'm wondering if people share the same no okay so the first four episodes are probably the lowest rated of the series except for the one outlier there uh, for House of the Dragon. So maybe it'll pick up starting in episode five. I mean, I get the story. It's just so long-winded. Yeah. It's like so mm-hmm. much of this could have been covered in like two episodes. Whereas Lord of the Rings, I know they're trying to fit a lot in. And they also have a timeline. They're like, this is five seasons. Then we're done. Yeah. Um, So it's nice to know that it's going to have an ending. I don't know if House of the Dragon is doing that too. 
I think uh, I heard like him say four seasons, like George R. R. Martin said, like it will take four seasons of ten episodes each to accurately tell this story. I feel like take they that said that for Game of Thrones too. <laughs> I feel like this was a thing, but hopefully it is a limited series. Yeah. It's That's a whole be. Dante's Peak and uh, what was the other one? Vol- uh, the volcano movie or Deep Impact yeah. and Armageddon kind of thing. Like you have two competing series. It's <laughs> medieval fantasy yeah. series at the same time. But honestly, like I mean, I'm. I, I'm three. I want to say three episodes into Rings of Power, and then I think I think we're three episodes short of finishing House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon definitely picked up for me, uh, but then we hit October and watching scary shit. You know, all the yeah. catching up on horror movies and you know all that kind of stuff for the month for the, the spooky season, so to speak. But uh, so far, I like House of the Dragon, but you know, I'm the exact opposite right, right yeah. now. But I think I think I think the I biggest think thing you I might would, stay that way. It's just, it's really for me, like, that it's like that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I think, think the peak Game of Thrones was, like, five through seven for the mm-hmm. for me, personally. Like, the season's, like, all the way up until it started to just drop. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that's the moments I remember the most, whereas, like, the first three seasons, I mean, there were little things here and there, but for the most part, it was one big peak, and then it just idle, idle, idle to the next big peak, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm just waiting for, real, for the for speak. Real. <laughs> for real, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think like the thing. I think the, one of the biggest things about like when you look at the IMDb stuff for these, I think Game of Thrones is everybody knows Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like every age. I mean, my parents watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, I don't Sickos. think my. <laughs> 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 but you know, a lot of young. I mean, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King came out when what? Like what was that like? 2099 i mean yeah you know, 21 it's, it, it, years it's ago been, it's been forever you know it's out of the lord of the rings it's still in pop culture right but it's you know the the older something gets the further it gets removed from that mm-hmm. so you know people are still i mean you know people are still hyped on game of thrones still angry about season eight you know it's still <laughs> fresh oh this is the new season so like i think that's why you're getting a lot of gushing you're getting a lot of filthy casuals so to speak <laughs> with uh house of the dragon yeah uh as opposed to like rings of power and like you know rings of power like to me like after three episodes in i'm sort of like it's kind of to me it's almost again just where it's at now and the pace it's such a it, the show two shows are such polar opposites uh, i want to say rings of power is slow until episode five. Oh wow um episode five it, it picks up it has an episode that's like in a small amount of time, uh, which kind of brings me over to Black Adam a little bit. That whole movie. Did you watch that one? Not yet. No. Okay. So that takes place in a small amount of time as well. You know, cause you can't really make that go for more than a day. <laughs> like the event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not going to be sitting around waiting for things to occur. Everything happens yes. like in a small amount of time. So yeah, let's move on to that. Cause I saw that you had it on your notes. So like, what'd you think of it? I, mean, I, I, I want to see it. I'm going to see it, but I don't know. I'll go to the theater to see it. Is the kind of the, this is kind of my feeling on it. They, I don't know. It's you have to compare everything to Marvel. Yeah, and this That's feels like, yeah, it just feels like this team was hired to try to make a Marvel movie, and I mean they tried. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's fine. It's. There was such hype on this for such a long time, too. 
with, oh, The Rock's going to be Black Adam. And I just don't know. It's, it's just fine. It's, it's a six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, whenever you see, like, the most successful DC property, in my opinion, is probably, like, Peacekeeper on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, because it didn't try to be... It was James Gunn, but I don't feel like it was trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you know, it's just its own thing, and this just feels like we're gonna do all the power trips in this. Um, mm-hmm. But let's talk about the positives. The positive for me was Pierce Brosnan. I was about this. to say, like that's when I, <laughs> when I saw like again, I, I'm gonna watch any movie with the rocks in it. I mean, can't help it. Yeah, but then like at, like when it's like oh, and he's and he's playing Doctor Fate. I've always yeah. liked Doctor Fate in the comics. He's, that's a like I mean, it's basically Doctor Strange. Uh, the DC Doctor Strange. It was really very much so, but I mean, <laughs> because it was, because everyone knows it. I mean, you haven't even seen it, and you already know that's Doctor Strange, pretty much. Um, they play him like he's Doctor Strange, but he's still just a. He's just Pierce Brosnan. Is just fits the role so well. Uh, he was the highlight of the movie for me. Awesome, good scene. Yeah. He's getting work. And then, uh, I mean, it's got Hawkman in it. You know, when I, when I see all these other DC characters that I've kind of wanted to see in a, in a move, in a modern movie, like, you know, Hawkman, the Hawkman toy, when I was a kid, the, the DC superpowers Hawkman toy was my favorite toys when I was a kid. I don't know so, much you know, about I, Hawkman, but well, he's supposed to be an alien. Well, from the, from my Thang issue with Hawkman, like from the moment he shows up on screen, he just feels like a villain. Hmm. Like, it, yeah, just the way the guy chose to play him he just i mean eventually you understand he's a hero but just because they're like no i'm a good guy i'm a good guy just keep doing that (laughs) over and over again and um yeah he eventually is a good guy but it's just like at the beginning i just feel like oh this guy feels like a villain like always arching his eyebrows and just (laughs) demanding things of people it's just like oh are they they supposed to be the good guys right (laughs) It made me question it for a moment because I mean I know Black Adam typically is not the hero. He's um, a bad guy in the comics. Yeah, he's a bad but, guy. I mean, he's yeah. he's kind of he's that like you know Venom character where like you know he's he's historically bad, but like modern comics have made him more, more like Doctor Doom, where like sometimes he'll unite with the heroes to stop another threat, but he's still like I'm still bad over here because Doom has uh, Latveria and then Black Adam has Kendak or whatever his little city in Egypt. Right. Yeah. You know, so like where he's kind of like the ruler there and he's like, you don't come here. Like, this is my city, blah, blah, blah. And then that's pretty much that's what, what they're they establishing in this. Um, yeah, it was just a intro to Black Adam, really. They they never explain why they call him Black Adam, though. They they hint at that he needs a name and then it's like cut to Black Adam. <laughs> It's like those scenes where it's like two people, you know, this uh, man and woman looking at each other in the bar and then it cuts to them screwing. Them fucking, like, yeah. Yeah. How do we get to that? <laughs> you know, it's the uh, same with Black Adam. Smash it's, cut. They were like, you need a name. Smash cut. Black Adam. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, it's fine. It's a, it's a six. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is an eight. <laughs> Always. Silver yeah. Fox, baby. <laughs> yeah. That's that's about where I am with it. Um, everyone else did Bond. fine. Uh, some of the extra characters are kind of annoying. 
difficult or forgettable, which is worse than annoying mm. for, it's for them. Um, it moves really fast because it has to. And that's never good whenever it just moves because it has to, but. Oh, wait, Jennifer yeah. Holland's in it. Jennifer. Oh, Holland. Yeah. That's uh James Gunn's wife, Hardcourt from suicide squad. And oh Peace yeah. Maker. Yeah. She is in it. Um, briefly. Yeah. Because I was like, where do I know her from? Oh, right. <laughs> well, of course, James Gunn and that other guy have been named like the heads of the DC film universe now. So that's pretty wild. Which I think it's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Well, you know, your DC guys working James- for Marvel, <laughs> collecting Marvel yeah. checks. <laughs> Basically. Like, wow. Yeah, I'm the head of this studio. Um, and I'm announcing right the back. new Guardians. I gotta go do a, yeah, I got to do a Guardians Christmas special and Guardians 3. And <laughs> yeah. Then I'll come do you. What a weird choice. Yeah, it's like uh, the country of France today has announced Joe Biden as the (laughs) The new president. (laughs) president. It's like it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, hopefully it'll be good for DC movies. Yeah, that's my hope, because, I mean, yeah, I see see this overall as a positive. Just so. Oh, Batman's, I feel like, are in better hands than any of these. No, I mean, that's a treasured franchise. I mean, they like, you know, they have that sacred, like, you know, when they get trying to do something with that, you know, all this new stuff is you, I think you nailed it on the head. Like, Oh, just make, just marvelize it. Yeah. Marvelize it. Yeah. Don't try to do anything different or unique. Cause every time they, the DC movies try to do that is when they're good. The Batman, James Gunn, suicide squad. There you go. And I've also heard something about the rock is that this could be fake. So, Take it like a rumor is that in his contract, he's not allowed to lose fights. <laughs> so that would not, that would not surprise me. So I had that in my mind the whole time watching this is every time he gets to a fight, I'm like, okay, <laughs> he's not going to lose. See, like, I don't know. I mean, this might, I don't know. I'm overstepping like my bounds here as a meager, uh, struggling to make it human being. Who's not like filthy <laughs> fucking rich. But uh, I mean, again, I love The Rock. I, th- I mean, he seems like very genuine, all that. But it seems like he's kind of getting a little too big. If that makes sense. Like, uh, I mean, Black Adam is kind of a vanity project for him, you know. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It seems like he needs to be humbled a little bit, or he's kind of losing. He's losing that humbleness as a celebrity. That like, it seems like to me that he had. Uh, yeah. you know, like, like you said, like, oh, you can't lose a fight. No, the rock, no, the rock, he's a wrestler. He knows it's important that you, the hero has to lose. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, now, in fact, now, if I, now, now, <laughs> if it was in his fast and the furious, cause he didn't want to get his ass beat by Vin Diesel. Absolutely. You know, good for you, rock. <laughs> cause yeah, apparently Vin Diesel and Jason, Jason Statham also can't lose fight. That's that, that is the dumbest. That is so fun. <laughs> that is, that is vanity. That is, that's just, I'm so, ex, ex, how does that work? Like, how is that know. like anything productive for a film, you know, for a film? Oh, I got to look badass. Dude, you're Jason, you're the fucking transporter. Nobody's doubting you're badass. You killed a fucking Meg. You know, you don't need to like not lose. <laughs> so stupid. Well, they have an after credit scene in Black Adam. So I wonder how they're going to proceed with the, this particular fight scene. Oh, I already thing. know what that is because it's been because the internet exists. Right. Uh, I didn't want to so say spoiler what it alert was, but for still. Black Adam five four three two one. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, Superman shows up. 
Yeah. And Very well, the, here's the here's the deal with that. To where, like, here's how, like, you know, is this the reason? You know, I, I kind of question: Is this the reason The Rock wanted to be Black Adam? Because Superman has two basic weaknesses. Of course, kryptonite, everybody knows about, but the other one is magic. Uh, mm. Like, that's why Wonder Woman could pretty much kill Superman uh, with, like, you know, some of the enchanted blades that, you know, that Ares had, all that kind of shit. Like, Superman is vulnerable to magic. And Shazam, Captain, the DC, Captain Marvel, Black Adam, they are, their powers stem from magic. magic. So, like, it's kind of like the aha, like, I can beat you simply because you know, of, of this, of this power set, you know, it, which is, I mean, again, Superman shouldn't be invincible anyway, mm-hmm. but neither should the villain either. Cause that kind of defeats the purpose. You know, that's why they call in the justice league or that's why Shazam's on the justice league to fight black Adam. All well, that we, kind of stuff. We could all so. look forward to the rock, not losing that fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a standstill or something or no, they're fighting. Then dark side comes or some other DC anti-monitor or something like that. Like, or like, you know, Superman just mentions like we're gonna have to talk to him, and then smash cut to Egypt and Black Adam on his throne with his hood, looking menacing. Menacing. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Like, is is there is the Rock funny in this at all? Like, does he have or is he pretty stoic for the most part? For the majority there are of jokes. It? There are a few okay. jokes, very few though. That he, that but he, makes, he is or. N- uh, so there's characters in it that um, think he's, you know, like, for example, whenever I said th- there's people that think he should have a name, those characters mm-hmm. are also like, this is the modern times. You should get with it. And so you should say things like this. And so he does. Oh, God. Fish out of water again. No, Okay. It's Warlock. I bet you 10 bucks Warlock <laughs> did it better. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. this has better visual effects. Because see, I like the, like the rock, t- the rock is not a good actor. Uh, <laughs> I will stand by that statement. Yeah. Uh, he is great. Like he, he does a great job of that. Like, for example, like there was, there's this big rumor that's been going on for years that he's going to be Jack Burton in a remake of Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. And that is perfect. That is perfect. Except that he needs to lose fights because Jack Burton is supposed to have bravado <laughs> yeah, and not actually be a badass. That's the whole charm of that character is that he's not a badass. So that's why if you pair the rock with, you know, I'm just giving, I'm just doing a, a standard exam, a standard comparison based on the original big trouble, little China, you have the rock and Jackie Chan, the rocks, the bungling, like bravado, you know, one liner spewing character who's not doing anything and Jackie Chan saving the day. That's what makes big trouble, little China, a fucking classic because of it's so different in addition to Kurt Russell and everything, and everything else that goes into it. But you know, that's what, when it, when I heard the rocks in it, if it, if, if it's played right, it's going to be great. But if they play it to where he's actually the hero that defeats the entire purpose of it, it's not going to be, it's, it's if he's still being the rock and doing that, it's still going to be entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to have that same kind of cleverness that the original Big Trouble in Little China has, in my opinion. Yeah. But anyway, what's saying about the Rock? Like, what are the best Rock movies? It's not San Andreas. It's not uh, High Rise or Skyscraper, whatever that one is. It's not the ones where he, the, his best serious movie to me was Faster. He was great in that. Hmm. Um, 
Uh, but like, for, for example, his character pain in pain and gain, you know, to where he's, he, you know, he's got that rock personality that you love and you're, that are, you're drawn to. But then when stuff gets serious, he's fucking vicious. That's how, to me, that's where the rock character wise fits perfectly. You know, you know, and so black Adam to where like the character is meant to be like kind of a villain, the whole, you know, like, like angry about everything. Like, I'm not going to help you Superman. And then like, eventually like very well, I will help you, but only this one time. Like that's black Adam in the comics, at least never Hmm. made a joke in the comics ever, ever. He is like, like, Oh boy. It'd be like, again, (laughs) Dr. Doom making a joke. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's, I mean, it's like, they're like, no, they're yeah, jokes. <laughs> they're <sighs> jokes. That it makes no sense. Like that's that. Now's that my worry about it. Is like no, you're this character. Now again, comic versus movie, two different mediums. I understand that argument, but there's there's nothing wrong and there's nothing hard about staying true to the source material on certain things like that. You don't have to make him relatable. He's a, he's meant to be. A, he's a literal villain in the trailer. He's like, you know, oh Superman, or so you know, kind of like Eminem, you know. Superman doesn't have to kill people to, you know, save the world, but I do. So fuck him and fuck you too. You know, yeah. uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. It's just like the best like superhero movies maintain that character. I mean, the, the, the speaking of the Batman earlier, not really any humor in it at all. Fucking riveting, but direct op, you know, polar opposite James Gunn, suicide squad. There's jokes every five seconds. But they work in the context of the characters. You have a character in that movie called the Detachable Kid, and his it's Nathan Fillion, and his arms just pop off and go float around and, and strangle people. You know that that character can make a joke, and it's fine. You know the like, Jumanji, perfect like that is perfect for The Rock. He is so great in that, and that's how <laughs> Jack Burton should be when yeah. he plays an inept powerhouse. Jungle Cruise, terrible, fucking terrible. Uh, you know, and uh, that movie was so bad. Oh God, <laughs> never saw it. Uh, God, it's it's Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just it's just that again, except instead of Johnny Depp, you got The Rock, and it doesn't work. Strangely enough, with The Rock meant to play a charismatic character, sort of, but there's all these like serious like when The Rock goes serious, it's like it's so it's 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 fifty fifty. Actually, it's 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 more like seventy thirty. Is it going to be? 30% being an actual good performance. No disrespect to Mr. Dwayne Johnson. He can kick my ass. He's got more money than I will ever see in my entire life. And his great, 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 great grandchildren will never will have a level of lifestyle I can only imagine. <laughs> and I will always have respect for The Rock. However, and uh, Arnold, same thing. I mean, you know, these are action stars. They're not the best actors. Have they, have, does he have great moments? Absolutely. Like I said, Faster. Great movie. Painter Gain. He's great in it. The Tooth Fairy, haha! <laughs> just kidding, wink, wink. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, he's you know he's you don't go to him for you go to you go to the Rock for action, not acting. Yeah, because is 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 I now keep in mind. I'm saying he's not. A, I don't think he's a good actor in some of the roles that he's doing. I'm not saying he's a bad actor in general. He's done some great stuff, but I mean his serious roles, specifically San Andreas, uh. His serious parts in the Jungle Cruise are just laughable to me, uh, and uh, Skyscraper, which was just so ridiculous. <laughs> He's a bodybuilder, you know, architect, daredevil. I mean, it's oh god, it's just which you know, <laughs> again, that is fine. 
if the movie is done right. But Skyscraper plays it seriously. Like he should, if the, the Rock, you know, the in the rundown, that was the moment when Schwarzenegger's leaving the bar and he looks at the Rock and says, "Enjoy it." Like that was the that was the handoff, and the rundown was great. But then you know, oh, he wants to develop as an actor, which I understand, hundred percent. That's your that's your prerogative. It's your life. Do whatever the hell you want. But I mean, let's be honest. The Rock's not going to win an Oscar, and if he does, I will eat this microphone. Now, let me rephrase that. Best actor, right? Oscar. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. He might get it as producer or something else. And I mean, again, he can he can't act, but it's a very specific like John Cena. There are certain characters John Cena can do perfectly. Wrestler correlation, not necessarily withstanding. Like I said, Arnold. Uh, now, by comparison, you know, Arnold, decent actor. You know, he's had some you know, good, good uh, performances that weren't specifically like, act. you know, Arnold is good action and comedy. The Rock is good action and comedy. Stallone is good action and drama. You might say comedy, but I would disagree because stop from a mom will shoot. It's not <laughs> comedy not his forte. Uh, but Stallone can fucking act. Despite what anybody, you know, sorry, go watch Rocky, go watch Creed. Uh, even the last Rambo, like the, the Stallone has an idea of, of, of drama that he, that he, that he brings to his, uh, not all of his roles. Absolutely. But the Rocky franchise, uh, for example, I mean, it's brilliant, but you know, but, but we're talking about the same guy that was, you know, in over the top and Cobra. <laughs> However. He can't, you know, he, he has turned in some very good performances, some very good moments of acting. The scene in the first Rocky where he's laying in bed the night before the fight and he's doubting himself is a, that is that is some fantastic acting. That is beautiful. The, you know, the classic scene where he's like, I don't know. Uh, uh, he, he knows he's, he's telling Adrian he can't beat him. I yeah. can't beat Apollo. I just want to I just want to go the distance. I want to go the distance. And it's because of that acting in that scene that when that bell rings, 15 minutes later at the end of round 10 and he's still standing it you it doesn't matter that he won and like he feels it and you know it cuz when the bell ring you you want you, you know he's not going to you know it too but you just want him to stay up and it's because of the acting of the actor in the scene that pushes that dra- dramatic moment at the end of the first rocky to overload and then by comparison you got rocky 4 <laughs> you know where, you know so again, I'm not saying he's like a great, like the greatest actor, but I mean Stallone can fucking act. Mm-hmm. The scene you know, in Creed, I think it's is it? I can't remember if it's Creed one or two where he has you think he talks about the cancer diagnosis, like oh shit, are they gonna kill off Rocky? I'm about to fucking cry right now, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it. He's a good actor. The Rock has never done anything on that caliber, acting wise. Acting wise, Stallone. I mean, I'm um, sorry, Schwarzenegger. Same thing. Van Dam. Eh, Van Dam did JCVD. That was a it, Van Dam can't. Van Dam, I think, is he, he's done some him him and JCVD is a fantastic performance that you never would have expected out of him. Now I'm saying the film called JCVD is what I'm talking about for those of you not in the know. Seagal, worst one of the worst actors of all time. Worst, right. go watch his SNL stuff. Seagal is a terrible actor. <laughs> uh, he could probably still kick my ass even at 500 pounds, uh, but. Uh, can't fucking act. But, uh, you know, so again, you know, some actors, like we talk about character actors in, the, in Warlock, the whole topic of this podcast, this episode, you know, character actors play 
a character, they can play a character, they can play a character really, really good. You know, when you're looking for this type of character, these are the people you go to because that's what they can do. Not every actor can do drama, action, comedy, horror, sci-fi, anything. You know, not many can. And a lot have tried. Few have succeeded. Very few, I'd say. Uh, you know, but it's just, I don't know, like, I really was hoping the rock, if the rock was going to be a superhero, I was hoping it'd be some, a, a superhero more befitting of him personally, not so much his appearance. And by that, I mean, his, I mean, the rock's a fucking giant. I mean, he's, he, you know, he, he has to be a big super, he has to be a super strong superhero. There's nobody else. He, could, he can't be fucking Ant-Man, you know, or who's the, uh, uh, the Adam, you know, in DC to compare him to Ant-Man. Uh, you know, it can't be Catwoman. You know, he's got to be one of the big powerhouses and, you know, they already got Superman perfectly cast, in my opinion, with Henry Cavill. Uh, so who's left? You know, you got Black Adam. Uh, yet that other dude from Chuck being Shazam, mm-hmm. you know, and The Rock is a villain. I do buy it. But for The Rock to succeed in my, again, for me personally, as a villain, I want him to be menacing the whole time because that's what a villain is. And if a villain's being funny. It's got to be that funny that inspires nervous laughter, not like <laughs> like the Terminator. Perfect example. Terminator one. He doesn't make a fucking joke intentionally. Terminator two. Ah, you know, <clears throat> he's a good guy in that one. So good guys can be funny. What happens in Terminator two? Hey, you got to learn to talk. Somebody comes up to you with an attitude. You say hasta la vista, baby. It's hasta pretty much vista, that, baby. It's pretty Ugh. much that. And in Black Adam. Okay, it's almost again, exactly it that. <laughs> but it works in Terminator Two. Why? Because the Terminator is the good guy. Yeah, you know, and yeah. of course, you know, always oh, an antihero. Okay, that's fine. But antiheroes don't necessarily, you know, in terms of like again, I haven't seen the movie. I really can't comment too much, mm-hmm. you know, about like that. But I mean, it's like, you know, Black Adam's a, a major villain in DC. Like he's a big name villain. He's supposed to be villainous. That's, and yet the movie is Black Adam. It's not Shazam. And then The Rock shows up and kicks his ass. You know, <laughs> that's how it should have been, in my opinion. You're starting with, you're setting up the villain already to where you know it's going to go to where he's going to be, a, you know, he's going to be a good guy. You know, they're not going to have him fight Superman and, and kill Superman. It's going to be that, it's going to be, the, it's, it's, that's the thing with all these comic book movies, excuse me, most of these comic book movies that come out, 90% of them, it's all trope. It's trope after trope after trope after trope after trope. And it's only when they stop doing those tropes that we're getting stuff that's amazing, in my opinion, such as The Batman uh, and uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, which led directly into Peacemaker. Uh, well, which basically is Peacemaker. I mean, <laughs> the Peacemaker TV show is basically Suicide Squad 2. Mm. James Gunn's Suicide Squad 2, for the most part. You know, and why was it so good? Because, A, you have good casting, good writing, fantastic direction, and you're making a character, you're doing what needs to be done for a character. You know, starting off from the get-go, making Black Adam an anti-hero is not the way to go, in my opinion. But again, I don't work for Warner Brothers or whatever studio it is that's putting this shit out because they don't care what we yeah. think. They just want our money. And that was a long conversation <laughs> about he if should have been in Shazam too, or something, just as a straight villain. Um, yeah, this this movie creates sympathy for the character. 
And I don't know if that's the right thing to do for this character. But if you're a fan of uh, Dwayne Johnson's forehead veins and his arch brow for <laughs> about 90% of the movie, uh, check out Black Adam. It was probably coming to HBO Max sometime. Yeah, very soon. Probably within a month or so. Yeah. That's when I'll probably catch it. Yeah. Mainly because the theaters out here where I'm at are just not, there's no like IMAX or anything. There's not really. I hear they like to project things on rocks out there. Yeah, big rocks, you know, <laughs> rock. kind of thing like that. Yeah, there's a lot of big rocks out here. <laughs> anything else that you saw, Jesse? Uh, you said Rings of Power, Finish Rings of Power, Black Adam. Still working else? on Game of Thrones. We'll see, we'll get an update on that next week. But uh, no, that's pretty much it. Gotcha. Well, I saw a few things, mainly some horror movies, because again, it's October mm-hmm. and the big horror, the biggest horror movie in the world, well, not necessarily financially, but talked about is a little film called Terrifier 2. Uh, the first Terrifier came out a few years ago. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it, it, it's a slasher. These are slasher. These are old school slasher kind of films. Uh, but and if you don't like clowns, you're not going to like this movie because the slasher killer, the killer in it, is a character called Art the Clown. Now, I think he's an already. I think he's an icon. Like he's a modern like slasher. Like he's a, he's a fantastic character because uh, it's old school, uh, kind of supernatural, invincible kind of killer thing. We're back to that with this character, but you know he combines the viciousness of a Michael Myers or a Jason with the humor of Freddy, but he's a physical slasher. Now, the big thing about Terrifier 2 is like, oh, people are walking out of the theater and vomiting within the first five minutes. Uh, maybe if you've not seen a hor- an actual, like, gory movie, maybe. Because it's very gory. That's the kind of thing with the first one. The, fir- the first Terrifier, I'm going to spoil the first one for you. But one of the big kills in it, he takes a hacksaw. He has a girl hanging up by her legs, and he takes a hacksaw and cuts her in half. Fucking, it's brutal in the film. It's like, it's like, I watch him like, holy shit. Like, it's bad. Uh, badass, I mean, because it's a fucking horror movie. How fast Slasher. does that happen? Slowly. I was <laughs> going like, to say, it should, because I've used a hacksaw and it takes forever to cut like a pipe. So, <laughs> imagine yeah, cutting yeah. a person in half. <laughs> probably take good 20 minutes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, I, mean, I, I, I liked the first one. I thought it was like, it was cre- It was it was a it was a fun slasher movie. This one, they there's some choice. This you know, first of all, this is a slasher movie that's two and a half hours long. There's a lot of shit in this movie that I don't like. However, whenever Art the Clown's on the screen, like, and he, the thing is, he does he clowns around with the people before he kills them. So it's very to me, it's incredibly entertaining. There's tension there. It's funny. It's legitimately funny. But in a Freddy Krueger kind of way to where like, you know, Freddy's going to be like, oh, ha, ha, raw meat or what, you know, whatever kind of joke he's going to make on however he kills you. Uh, same thing in in Terrifier 2 and the first one, like the care, the character is just great. Uh, and if you like, just, you know, if you just want to watch a gore fest, Terrifier 2 is the way to go. Uh, and the first one. I'd recommend, you know, watch them both, you know, at least watch the first one. So you kind of have the setup because it kind of picks up right where the first one left off. But it, and then like it picks up right where the first one left off and then a, a year passes. Uh, but if you don't like clowns, you're not going to like this movie. <laughs> and if you don't like gore, you are really not going to like this movie. It is, it again, it's practical effects. It's very gory. Uh, you know, I, I like the practical effects, not because I like seeing people get mutilated, but I love any film that spends its time on practical effects. 
And this this film does it in spades. I mean, to me, it's it's the thing like because again, there's a big mystique about it because of like, oh, people are leaving and vomiting during the film. Again, these are people that probably have not seen a horror movie in decades. I guess I don't know because again, it's just I mean, it's clearly dummies. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm watching just laughing because like it's clearly like you know it's the real head going ah ah, and then it cuts and his hands like pulling out the brain, and it's clearly like you know the fake expressionless rubber head. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, inter- it's entertaining in that way. Whatever that says about me as a human being, I don't know. Uh, but it's just, it's just a, it's a old school kind of, it, it walks a line of almost, uh, kind of a, a slasher slash, uh, haha, no pun intended, uh, torture porn kind of like situation, like a torture <laughs> slasher, because there's one kill in this movie that is it's one of the most brutal kills I've ever seen in a movie, in a slasher movie. But that's kind of the, the shtick of this series is that you you watch it for these just incredibly brutal kills is kind of how it goes. Uh, but I thought it was fun. Uh, if you're looking for a gore fest, that's kind of creepy. Terrifier 2 is where to go. Uh, another horror movie I watched is a found footage film, which I usually don't like found footage films. Just typically, unless, because my deal, I think I talked about Dash Cam a few weeks ago on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, my complaint with found footage films is that nine times out of ten, there's no reason for people to be filming what's happening when what is happening on screen is supposed to actually be happening. Because if I'm in a life or death situation, I don't give a fuck about my camera, except to use <laughs> it as a weapon to bash whatever's attacking me. Like, you know, you're not going to get any found footage. Just get, the camera's going to cut out. And like, that's the end of the footage. It was five minutes long. Uh, however, there's a great one. Uh, it's, it's been around for a while, but I just got around to watching it. It's called Grave Encounters. Uh, there is a sequel. This is the first one. But the premise, I, I watch this one simply because of the premise. It's basically, the first half of this movie is making fun of all those ghost shows on TV. And it does it brilliantly, <laughs> brilliantly. Like South Park. It's basically a parody, <laughs> <laughs> almost, uh, uh, in that same kind of way. But it, it, it's it's it, it making fun of Zach Baggins and like all like I mean that dude's such a douche. Like I, it's so I mean all those Ghost Hunter shows. It's like you know they have all these fucking cameras, and then every single time somebody forgets to you know. If, if they're going down the hallway and it has a, a fork and they put the camera to the right, but they look to the left, guess where they see the ghost every time? Not where the camera is, where the, the person has to jerk it around. Look, I just saw somebody move down there. Then why weren't you pointing the camera the way you were looking? Like, I mean, but this this film kind of does all like it plays with the, that, like the rational people that watch those shows, the same things you say aloud to the TV, how stupid it is. This movie covers it. But then it has a turn where. You'll see. I don't want to spoil too much. I've already given away too much, but just the opening, like the, the, the jokiness of like, they show like the promo for the show. Cause the show's called grave encounters. It's the tagline. Like he's doing, it has the whole it parodies, the promo for ghost hunters. Like ever since I was a boy, I believed in the in ghosts and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are you ready to have a grave encounter? Like they do it so well. The parody aspect it's, it's, I had a smile on my face the whole time. And then the quote unquote terror happens. However, they're a crew on lockdown as they do on those stupid shows, you know, locked in this insane asylum. So, but they're there to film it. So it makes perfect sense that there are cameras here in this situation. 
oh, well, true when stuff happens while he's on the camera because the Zach Baggins character is adamant about filming everything because they set him up to be a douche just like the real dude. And no matter what happens, like mm. film it, film, like we're gonna, I don't care if you're scared or you're dying, we're going to film this shit, that kind of thing. So it makes sense. However, if you don't like found footage, you're not going to like it. But as far as found footage films go, I, I, had a, I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. It, uh, I don't like how it, where it went in the very end, but the first half of it, incredibly entertaining for uh, what it is. So, uh, of course, you'll be hearing this on Halloween because <laughs> it's almost midnight here yeah. in Utah. It's already 1 a.m. where you are about to be 1 a.m. in Central Time, Jesse. So you'll be hearing this on Halloween, so it might be too late. It's still not too, too late to watch either one of these. I believe, I think Terrifier 2 is on demand on some, uh, was it? I don't know. I should have wrote that shit down. <laughs> uh, we did get an email from Plane, Plane Pool and Tom about, uh, uh, I don't have my email up. I'm just going to summarize Tom. But basically, uh, if you like Julian Sands, make sure you see Boxing Helena. That was a good movie for him. I'll read the email next week, Tom. It's getting late. <laughs> I got to get up early tomorrow. Uh, but anyway, if you like to send an email to actually get read on the podcast, as Tom's will next week, 80srevisited at gmail.com, on Facebook at 80srevisited podcast, on Instagram, 80s underscore revisited. And shout out to our friends far and away. Uh, well, they're all far from me, as I like to joke, but a uh, Cajun toy review with our good friend John. And of course, uh, the Doom Slayer himself, Ben Wyatt down in uh, Tasmania with TCW, Tasmanian Championship Wrestling. Uh, check that out online. Give, give them all likes, all that kind of fun stuff on their socials. Follow them. It's entertaining stuff, guys, I promise. And I would be remiss. I got to mention one more thing, Jesse. I almost forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the plot of Warlock is, you know, the Warlock's back in our time and he's trying to basically kill God and summon Satan. Well, one of the most important things when you're trying to, to do that is to make sure your body is smooth and you're ripe for the coming of the Dark Lord. Mm. And the best way to do that is with the performance package from Manscaped. Yeah, you thought we forgot about it? No, we're sponsored, baby. <laughs> so remember, use the code REVISITED at checkout at manscaped.com. Get free shipping and 20% off the uh, performance package. You get the Lawnmower 4.0. And of course, I like to mention it all the time, the Weed Whacker for your nose and your ears. I'm telling you, it works good. It, and I, ha- I have Italian nostrils, baby. It's like, you know, it's a dark forest in there if I let it go uh, unchecked. So it's good, to, it's, good to, it's good to manscape, everybody. And I'll tell you right now, I don't mind sharing this information. My wife used it to womanscape the other night. So uh, she go. thought, she's like, oh, you're, that trimmer's really good. So there you go. The autumn seal of approval for yep. Manscaped. So again, revisit it at checkout, save 20% and free shipping. And as always, you know, uh, like, subscribe, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, I think you say that on a podcast as well as a YouTube video, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing, good or bad. We don't care. We appreciate all the feedback. We like constructive criticism here. Especially the criticism part, right? Because that's all <laughs> I like to do. But anyway, uh, we all I ask is that if you do leave a review, one star or five star, let us know. You know, if if it's a one star, let us know why. One sentence responses are not valid unless it's a very long run on sentence saying that we're woke or too political or whatever. When I can prove you wrong, because again, we keep receipts here because it's all it's all recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't try, don't try to make a mountain out of mohill mohill mo. Uh, mole. Y'all know what a mohill is. Mohill. Yeah. Don't you know who mohill is? <laughs> Pop that in IMDb and see if that even comes up. Let's see if there is mohill. Uh, yes. Uh, second unit assistant director on Witness. Oh, there you go with Harrison Ford. So mohill. Don't, don't make a mountain out of mohill. That's our new. That's our new saying. Here on the podcast. Uh, just let it. You know, if if you some other if witness. there's a valid. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh wait, oh it's not the Harrison Ford one. Definitely, it's like not. a direct to video one. Yeah. That. So yeah, you anyway. <laughs> anyway. Enough about Mo Hill. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's a one star review. Hey, that's fine. Let us know why, and just you know, explain it. Just say, hey, this dude's voice sounds like a chipmunk or whatever. You know, whatever you want to see. You know, but again, elaborate. <laughs> make it good. Make it worth reading on the podcast, so we can have some entertainment value out of it. We don't take it personally as long as it's valid and it's honest. Not you know, you're not being a douchebag. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about it more next week if we get one. But uh, next week. Uh, we're out of the Halloween season. I'm not sure what I want to do. I got to check the old list and see what's available. Uh, I'll try to post it. I will try. You know, that's what I said. I will try to post it on uh, social media as to what the movie will be. If not, hey, guess what? Surprises are fun, right? Mm-hmm. So until next week, everybody, happy Halloween. Trick or treat safely. Watch for cars. You know, keep your children safe. Check their candy. You know, last, last Halloween, Violet got a little Hershey's bar and I checked it and there was a whole M1 Abrams take, tank in the wrapper. You got to check the candy, people. It's real, okay? It never. It was never just a movie thing that got out of hand to where you know it really happened. Which you know there were. I think. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> I was trying to remember, like, like uh, there was a there was like a a guy like it was like one incident where some guy like tainted candy or something like one time is the only documented case of it. If I remember correctly, hmm. there's never been a documented case of like. Apples with razor blades and all that shit. That's all movie shit. To my knowledge, not saying it hasn't happened before, at least in terms of where the things I've seen in the past have said I mean, that it was mainly the Slender Man stabbings. There's the warlock thing. Uh, yeah, I better start giving these kids ideas. Don't put razor blades in fruit, people. Yeah. That's just not good for anybody. Because what if you put it in one and then you give somebody the wrong one and then you bite it? Mm-hmm. See, that's called karma. Just, just don't, just don't worry about it. Just don't do something stupid like that. There you go. The more you know. Dun, 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 dun. By the the way, more I know is to. I'm getting ads uh, for uh, The Rock's TV show on NBC on my phone now. <laughs> <laughs> Young Rock. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen an episode. No Warlock Can't ads. Can't say. Weird. <laughs> that, well, that's a damn. Why, why aren't we getting ads for Warlock 2? The Armageddon. <laughs> no you one's know, paying for get, it. That's the thing. See, <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not going to go on that tangent at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's officially Halloween here ah, in Utah now. Happy Halloween, happy Halloween everybody. Ah. For legitimately <laughs> Halloween. It's midnight. I got to get up early, take my girl to school tomorrow, and participate in their Halloween party at school. So let me go. And until next time, everybody, hopefully, I will remain Trey Harris. Yes, essentially. Cowabunga! Cowabunga!